So this morning, we're going to pick right up where we left off last week, looking at uh, this series called The Pursuit of Spiritual Maturity. We're looking at Philippians chapter 4. Paul is writing a letter to the church at Philippi, a church that was very dear to him, uh, perhaps, as we talked about, perhaps one of his favorite churches. Um, and so we just see something in those first 20, actually in the whole chapter of, of uh, chapter four that um, highlights some key characteristics that he will um, affirm that exists in the church of Philippi, as well as things that he will um, encourage them to grow in. And so uh, we've kind of been unpacking this together, and, and I pray that as we're going through this, that you will be infer- affirmed in the areas that you're um, strong in, and that you'll be encouraged to continue to grow as we are uh, growing more and more into the image of, of Christ and just his character and the life that God's given to us. And I think, you know, this idea of spiritual maturity, I, I had some great conversations with people over the course of this past week and, and just, um, just that were really challenged, you know, by the words of scripture. And, and just somebody said, I walked into the room feeling a lot more mature than when I left you know, the room. And, and I just think that's good because the word of God is there not to make us feel like losers, certainly, but to invite us to continue to grow more and more. And so this idea of pursuing God and pursuing spiritual maturity is not homework that we are to avoid, but it's an invitation to become more and more like Christ. And sometimes that gets a little scary. Sometimes we kind of tiptoe around it. Sometimes, you know, we're, we're fully engaged in wanting to grow. And sometimes we're kind of like, you know, ah, just not, just not there right now. And, and I think everybody's at different places and at different seasons of their life and kind of like how they, they dance around that, that issue of maturity um, is going to be different, right? And, and so my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would, would encourage us and challenge us and that his truth would speak louder than my voice and that, that his word would, would challenge each and every one of our hearts because we are on this journey together towards Christ-likeness. And, and so... However you choose to engage in that, right? Whether you're fully all in, right? Some personalities are like, you know, I want to hear it all and get it all in and change. And others are like, I just need to kind of process this. And I and, uh, saw a great video clip last week that uh, Matt and Annetta uh, had shared with me of their puppy. And they got this cute little puppy. And, and, and I saw that and I said, that's it. That's the picture of so many. Like you've got, you've got this little cute puppy, right? Bouncing around trying to grab the bone and... And see, the bone represents maturity, and you don't even know what I'm talking about. You want to see the video? Because the video really kind of, let's take a look at this clip. The United Church is a church getting equipped. (laughs) Give it up for the puppy. We feel like that sometimes, all right? It's like kind of like we're back and forth and trying to like bounce around it and and I don't know about you, but I, I kind of thought that's how I treat my scale sometimes. It's kind of like, oh, you know, oh, that's the wrong number, maybe tomorrow, and move it on the carpet or the tile or whatever, you know. Um, 
<laughs> but this, this idea of maturity can either um, scare people, which I hope it doesn't, but a lot of times people come out of religious systems that are very condemning and very judgmental and, and, and very pushy. And, and so the idea of, of challenging our thinking sometimes kind of makes them run in the opposite direction. And, and I pray to God that that's not um, how you embrace this, but you see this as, a, as an opportunity to, to grow and to, and to allow um, God to conform you more and more into the image of Jesus because he's got a design for each and every one of us and wants us to walk in his fullness and in his blessing. And, and you know, it takes, it takes perspiration, as I mentioned, and it takes inspiration, right? And it's the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's the grace and the ability um, and, and the environment that God puts us in so that we can grow, but it also takes a little perspiration. It requires us to, to, to work at this thing and to work at our own salvation with fear and trembling. And so I pray that uh, as we continue to um, push through this, um, because some of it may be super challenging, and that's, that's good, but I figured, I figured I could say anything hard when you open up with puppies. I figured, you know, everybody's going to kind of like be all right with puppies, and so we're going to have lollipops for you as you walk out the door. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we're not going to be doing that. Um, so last week, we looked at uh, the pursuit of spiritual maturity in our companionship, and we saw how um, we can grow more and more uh, in our relationships, and then we looked at um, growing or pursuing our spiritual maturity in our character, and Paul is raising uh, the awareness of the church of Philippi to whom he was writing on ways in which they are to look up um, to God, to look inwardly, examining their own hearts, and then look outwardly uh, to the world around us. Because how we look up to God and out to the world and inwardly has everything to do with our character. And so it's there that the Holy Spirit is, is conforming us into his image. And, and um, we uh, left off at verse 8, and so that's where we're going to pick up this morning. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 Paul writes, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. And so this next subject we want to look at is the pursuit of spiritual maturity in our consideration. In our consideration, Paul is now instructing us in the area of our thought life, the things that we entertain in our minds, the things that we allow our, ourselves to um, regurgitate over and over in our minds, the things that we consider in our minds, the pursuit of spiritual maturity in our consideration. Now, this is very important because what we choose to think about becomes our reality. Isn't that right? What we choose to think about becomes our reality. Now note, I qualify that by saying our reality. Because the thing that you may be thinking about might become your reality, but that might, might not mean that it is the right reality. Right? We all know like there's people who think a certain way and they think just because they think that, that's the truth. No. What we think on becomes our reality. And so it's really important that the thing that we're thinking on is the right thing so that our reality is aligned with what God's word says and what, what, is, what is true. So Paul is challenging us in this area. Um, a mature Christian chooses what he or she will dwell on in their thought life. 
Nobody can make you think a certain way. Nobody can force you to come to the conclusions that you come to. Listen, not even your past can force you to think a certain way. You have the power because you've got God's spirit in you. You've got the ability to say no to your past informers, the things that inform your mind, and hold on to that which is true. Nothing can force you because you have God's spirit in you. I mean, think about how many relationships are broken, how many misunderstandings are developed because the, the narrative that has been created in a person's mind has been applied to people and to situations. Isn't that what happens? We've got it all summed up. We start thinking about it over and over again. We have conversations with them about it, but they're not even present in the room. We're just having the conversation because we know how they would answer. And so we create these narratives, and as a result of that, relationships get broken, division takes place, and it's not necessary. I love the way Paul instructs us here on how to deal with our thought life. He says, look, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable or excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, Paul's like, man, if there's anything there, think on those things. You see, it's a call to find the good, even in the midst of bad situations and even bad relationships. It is, to, it is a call to direct our thinking in such a way that we don't focus on the negativity, but we find that which is true and honorable and just and pure. Now listen, not everything is gonna be true. But whatever it is, think on it. Not everything is gonna be honorable. Not everything is going to be just. Not everything is going to be pure and lovely. Sometimes you've got to look for it. Sometimes you've got to dig for it. Sometimes you've got to silence all the voices around you so you can find that which is true and honorable and just and lovely and pure and allow yourself to focus on those things. Now, that's not being in denial about what's not true. That's not, about, that's not a call to be in denial about what's not honorable. Some of those things that, that are not true and honorable and, and lovely and pure, sometimes we gotta put some healthy boundaries around our life so we're not constantly influenced by those things, right? But we choose what we will focus on because what you choose to focus on leads to an action. So this is a call to consider what we consider in our minds. This is huge. This is something that will, will set many people free of, of being negative and, and critical and, and unsafe and untrustworthy because oftentimes the reason people move in that direction of feeling negative and critical and unsafe is because they're having conversations with people who aren't present. They're drawing from their past so much. Maybe somebody's hurt them. Maybe some, it's been intentional. Maybe they've been through tough times and they apply all of their past to the present situation. And listen, not everything always applies. But if we use that as our metric, we're going to bring an unhealthy situation into what could potentially be a healthy situation and we're going to poison it. And so what Paul says is, man, just let that go 
and think on these things. And he gives us this strategy on having a healthy mindset towards people and towards circumstances. See, come on, Pastor. So we, we, we're supposed to have just a, this positive, happy-go-lucky, you know. Listen, I know you're supposed to be, use wisdom, right? You don't put yourself into unsafe, unsafe relationships and everything else. But what you choose to focus on will become your reality. And in the current environment we're in, in, our, in, this, in this time, there's enough negativity out there that's feeding this, this, this division that we're seeing. And you know what? As Christians, we need to rise above that. We need to rise above that. I think there's enough room. You know, there's just something, I'll be honest, there's just some things I want to be ignorant about in other people. I don't want to know all their bad stuff. I don't want to see all the flaws. Because in the midst of all, I've got my own flaws to deal with, you know? I, I, I want to focus on that which is good in people. I want to pull out that which is trustworthy, that which is honorable. I want to highlight those things that make me appreciate the fact that this man, this woman, was made in the image of God. So how do we assess ourselves in this area? That's kind of like what we're doing. We're taking a look at these things and say, okay, now, Holy Spirit, help me to grow in this area. Maybe this is an area that you're strong in, but we want to get stronger. Maybe this is an area that you struggle in and you want to continue to grow. Well, how, how do we do that? Well, first, let me just remind you of the, of the beautiful truth that you're not left to yourself to make the changes. It is the Holy Spirit who's at work in us. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And so the things that we talk about aren't that you bring guilt and shame and make you feel like you're you know, like a loser as you walk out the door. No, it's, it's the highlight that, man, we're, we're a product of, of, of so much other stuff. And, and the Holy Spirit is committed to, to conforming us into the image of Jesus, which is, is amazing. And so that ought to motivate us to want to be in the presence of God. And so it's there that we kind of, we just ask ourselves these, these self-assessing questions, a couple of questions that I ask myself. That's, that's how I do it. I just kind of like, I'll, I'll look at a text that, that challenges my heart. Just, just the ABCs of me, it's how I work it. I'll find a text that challenges me and then I'll be like, all right, now I gotta examine my heart and I'll start asking myself some questions. Some, some questions that I might not wanna make public, right? Just, just between me and, Holy, and the Holy Spirit kind of questions. I'll ask myself questions like, when I think of others, is my default setting negative or positive? When I think about other people, is my first response negative or positive? Now, you might have been the product of, 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 of growing up in an abusive relationship, or maybe you were in a place where you weren't affirmed. Maybe you grew up in a very critical environment, and maybe, maybe your parents didn't love on you the way that they should have loved on you, or your, you know, your experience in life was just negative. And, and to think that that's not going to carry into the way in which you see other people, that's impossible. But you see, the blood of Jesus Christ, when we came to Christ, we are a new creation, right? We're a new creation in Jesus Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so we need to silence the voices from the past and say, no, I'm not going to be negative about other people. I want to see them like Jesus sees them. And Jesus sees the negative, but he doesn't focus on the negative. Here's a question. <laughs> Do I feel like I know people better than they know themselves? <laughs> that's an honest, that's a tough one. 
Do I feel like I know people better than they know themselves? They can, they can explain the who, the what, the why, and, and inside you're going, yeah, I don't believe it. Because I know you. I've already come to, see, I've examined your life. I've watched you. I've listened to you. I've seen this small little snapshot of life that we've shared, and I've come to the conclusion that this is what you're really like. Last I checked, there's only one who is omniscient. And that's the Godhead, the God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit knows everything there is to know about everything. And so if that's you, that's not necessarily a good thing. Don't call that discernment. That's a spiritual term that gets used for criticism, right? You don't know people better than they know themselves. And so that's maybe an area you want to bring to the Holy Spirit and be like, Holy Spirit, help me not to do that. Here's one. Do I strive to give, the, give people the benefit of the doubt or do I come to quick conclusions? Do I strive to give people the benefit of the doubt or do I come to quick conclusions? That's really important because we, we have such a limited view of people. We see what they want us to see in a small snapshot of time. And we need to be really careful that we don't come, uh, that, that we're willing to give people the benefit of the doubt before we come to these quick conclusions. Because when you come to a quick conclusion, you have, you have summed up that person in your mind. And it's very hard to move beyond how you've defined that person. And then you limit your ability to really engage them the way God, and enjoy them the way God designed for you to do that. And so we need to be careful that we, that we don't draw conclusions too quickly. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Oftentimes we'll, we'll draw conclusions because we want to protect ourselves. We don't want to get hurt, right? We've got, we've got them all summed up and they're going to hurt me. And so we, 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 we come to this conclusion and now we, here's a catch word of the day, we quarantine them out of our life, right? Now there's times that you do need to quarantine people. Some people are toxic, right? And so there's, 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 but that's not everybody. And so if you feel like you have to quarantine everybody and there's that same comment, you know, that might be you, right? So again, have the Holy, ask the Holy Spirit to help you in this area. Here's one. Do I control my thoughts or do my thoughts control me? Do I control my thoughts or do I allow my thoughts to control me? Do I get on this bandwagon and just go and, and, and find myself reacting to every thought that comes my, I don't hold it up. I don't look at it. Is it right? Or I just run. It's just how I feel at the moment. Or do I control my thoughts? Do I exercise self-control and what I allow to be entertained in my mind? And here's one and perhaps the most important one. Am I willing to grow in this area of my life? That's the most important one. Because the beautiful thing is the Holy Spirit will do the work, but there needs to be a willingness in our hearts to, to bear all before God and surrender to him. Am I willing to grow in this area of my life? Now, I know I just, I painted with this really broad brush right now. And I know inside of this scene that I just created, it, it, it involves, you know, 
all kinds of relationships that are all over the place and, and work and situation. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that I would never be able to unpack in one or, or 10 years, right? But, that, but let the Holy Spirit, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, I really mean that. I really believe that the Holy Spirit, do you believe the Holy Spirit does these things in your life? Right? It's the Holy Spirit that is working in us. And so allowing the Holy Spirit to bring to our attention at a specific moment or the specific person how to apply these truths, because that's really how this plays out. Like we could take these things and go to the Lord in prayer and bring it all out there. And rarely will you walk away with an answer. What will oftentimes happen is the Holy Spirit will allow you to leave that situation. And then somewhere on a Thursday at 4.15, when you're tired and everything, you'll be confronted with a situation that has the opportunity to bring out the best of you or the worst out of you. And you've got an opportunity to respond to that question. Am I willing to allow the Holy Spirit to grow me in this area? That's the perspiration part. Right, that's the working it out. And when we step up and say, yes, Lord, I will grow, I will respond differently. God gives us the grace we need to do it. So how do we grow, how do we grow in this area? Those are some of the assessing questions. Now we kind of get an idea of like, all right, so here's where I'm at. And so how do I, how do I move in this area? How do I, how do I kind of turn my weak areas into strong areas? How do I kind of move the ball down the field a little bit more each week? Now, listen, the end of the day, this isn't going to happen overnight. Like, I, just so you know, let me just kind of put your mind at ease. I do not think for one moment that having listened to the message last week about character, and um, what was the other one we talked about last week, such a long time ago? <laughs> Character and companionship. companionship. Thank you. I did know. I was just testing you. Um, <laughs> I don't think that by, by Wednesday this past week, you had it all figured it out. You know, that, that's not, and nor do I think that as we get through this today, that you're going to have this nailed within a week. This is a process of a lifetime. And so my hope is to kind of just put this out there. And at the right time, and in the right situation, the Holy Spirit, I bring to your awareness the things that we're talking about. And as you're praying and working these things through, he's growing us more and more into his image. And so, so what are some ways in which I can grow in this area? Well, number one, very important, recognize the battleground is our mind. The battleground is your mind. The enemy desires to influence our minds using lies about God, lies about ourselves, lies about other people to bring division and destruction. Jesus said in John chapter 10 that the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he, he's not, he's not play, changed his plan one bit. That's what he's all about. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you'd have it more abundantly. And so we need to recognize that this battle that we're talking about, it takes place right here in our mind. And we need to recognize that your mind, very important, listen, your mind is a sacred place. Your mind is a sacred place. It is there that the enemy will hurl his lies and it is there that the Holy Spirit will present truth. Your mind is a sacred place. It is a place that needs to be guarded. It is a place that needs to be rightly influenced because our thoughts, positive or negative, 
eventually become actions. Our thoughts become actions. So recognize your battle, your, the battleground is in your mind, in your mind, that, that beautiful space between those two ears, it's sacred, it's holy ground. Secondly, take captive every thought. Take captive every thought. Paul writes this to the church of Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not warring against according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. I love what Paul says here. He kind of recognizes, he helps us to realize, listen, you're in a battle. And as I said before, your battle is in your mind. And the way in which you're going to engage in this battle and win in this battle is you need to take captive every thought. He says the weapons of your warfare, they're not fleshly, they're not tangible, but they are mighty. They have divine power to destroy what? Strongholds. Where are strongholds? Strongholds take place in your mind. It's where your habits come in, your addictions come in. They have the power to destroy strongholds. Strongholds take place in your mind. Look, it destroys arguments. Where do arguments take place? It takes place in our mind. Every lofty opinion, where are the opinions? Opinions take place in the mind. Everything that raises against the knowledge also in your mind of God. And we take captive every thought. And so we need to recognize that those, those thoughts, those fiery darts that come at us from the enemy, they are, thoughts, they, are, they are thoughts that are directed to hit the battlefield of our mind. And we don't have to receive all of those things, but we are to take captive every one of those thoughts. And then what we do with that is we go to our next thing. We apply the Philippians for a test to it. Is this true? Is this honorable? Is this just? Is this pure? Is this lovely? Is this commendable? If it's not, then it needs to, it needs to be recognized as not something God wants us to, to dwell on in our minds, and it needs to be put away. There is no easy, fast-track way to changing the way we think. It is an intentional decision to not allow those things to fill our minds. As I said before, nothing can force you to think on something. Nothing. And so it's take captive every one of those. It's like you're arresting those thoughts. And you know what I'm talking about. I mean, not every thought. You can't possibly. But those moments, and you know when they are. When something rubs you the wrong way and you start spiraling. And you start getting frustrated. And you start creating this narrative. And you start wanting to pull away. And you start, you start drawing conclusions. And you've got them figured out. And you know them better than, than they know themselves. Stop. Take captive those thoughts. Arrest those thoughts. And start focusing on that which is right and good and true and trustworthy. And listen, that might bring you to a time where you need to connect with this person and bring some healing to the relationship, but you'll never be able to get there if you first don't protect what's going on in your mind and to keep yourself from drawing the, 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 you know, writing the final page of the book of their life, right? 
Maturity in our consideration impacts the way we see other people. Therefore, it impacts the way we conduct ourselves with other people. Maturity in our consideration impacts the way we see other people. Therefore, it's going to impact the way we conduct ourselves with other people, which is our next point that we see in verse 9. The pursuit of spiritual maturity in our conduct. Look at verse 9 of Philippians chapter 4. Paul writes, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. This next area that we want to kind of zoom in on is pursuing spiritual maturity in our conduct. Paul does something here that he does this also in other places that of his writings. He uses himself as an example. He holds himself up as a model, if you will, and says, be like me. Follow my example. Now, to some that might sound very arrogant, but... But Paul knew his call in life was to be an example to the believers. As I mentioned earlier, Paul went through that process of, of help me, tell me, show me, and then Paul earned the right to say, follow me as he followed Christ. And so we see Paul rightly holding himself up as an example. Paul's conduct towards them, I love this. You see, Paul's conduct, conduct and his relationship with, him was, with them was not in word only. Look what he says here. He says, what you have learned from me, what you have received from me, what you have heard about me, what you have seen in me. This highlights the importance of our maturity being seen in all areas of our life. Maturity in our life is not defined by what we say. Your spiritual maturity is not defined by how many Bible verses you've got memorized or how eloquently you pray, or any of those other things. It's the whole package of life. Paul's leadership was seen in what they learned from him. Intellectually, he engaged their thinking, their mind. He, he taught them. His leadership was seen in, in what they received from him, both, both tangibly and, and also spiritually. There was a, there was a give-take relationship. They had seen consistency in Paul's life. Paul's leadership was seen in what they heard about him, possibly from other people, right? Referring to his reputation. Hey, what you've heard about me from others. And then Paul's leadership was seen in what they saw in him, what they observed in his life, what they observed him doing, his actions, his actions and his reputation, it backed up what he said. If there's ever a time for the church, that's always been the time for the church to do this, but, but the church, we, we, we need to back up what we say by lifestyles that will build on our testimony and not take away from our testimony. Can I tell you, this is an area that has caused more people to find cause and point fingers at Christians because what oftentimes Christians say or tweet about or post about or whatever, what they put out there is so contrary to their lifestyle 
that the world looks and goes, really? The consistency. Please understand, I have, I have no desire to put the weighted pressure of knowing that, that people watch to see if what you say is gonna be backed up by how you live. I have no desire to put that, that added pressure onto your life, but, but at the same time, as you're, as you're kind of thankful for the grace of God that enables you to do what you need to do, I wanna remind you that there's a, there's a call to every follower of Christ to live in such a way that our conduct is something that can be learned from, that our conduct is something that can be received from others, that our conduct is something that can be confirmed by our reputation on the outside, that our conduct is something that can be observed by others. And so while I don't want to put the added pressure on you, the word of God does that pretty well. And that's why it calls us to, hey, Jesus said, if anyone desires to follow me, let him take up his cross and follow me. The call to Christianity is a call to live our lives like Jesus would. And sometimes talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than words. I read David Kinnaman's book years back, about 14 years ago actually it came out. This book called Unchristian what a new generation really thinks about Christianity and why it matters. And he, it, was a, it was a research book that he did for the Barner Research Group, and they came to the conclusion that 47% of America thinks that Christians are hypocritical. And that was 14 years ago. That was before all the politics. That was all before all the other stuff that started hitting our airwaves and Christians that are reacting one, one extreme or another extreme and 47%, my, my guess is it'd be far higher than that right now. We need to recognize that we have been entrusted to influence the world for Christ. We're the salt of the earth. So here's some good assessing questions. What am I teaching others? What am I teaching others? What am I instilling in the minds of others? What am I leaving behind, if you will? Depending on the background you came from, just the thought of that can bring a whole host of guilt and shame. And that's, I pray to God that, that, that that's not there. But we also need to step up and recognize that, that we have this opportunity to be influencers for Jesus. Here's a question. Would, you, would, you, would, your, would, your, would Jesus approve of, of your language? Would Jesus approve of, of your language? It amazes me how the bar of what is appropriate has gone down so low in our culture and I dare say in our church. And I don't mean our church, but I'll say our church, I mean the church. We need to recognize that what we say matters. Remember the words of James in chapter three of his epistle, he writes, he's writing about the tongue and he says, with this tongue, with it we, 
We bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. I just think of so many of those Christians who hold those banners up and those posters up that are spewing such hatred and venom towards people that they disagree with. You don't have to agree with their views, but you know what? They're made in the image and likeness of God and you don't have a right to curse them. With our tongues, we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh water and salt water? Of course not. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What he's saying here is these are things are not consistent. This, a fresh pond can't produce salt water. And the Christian's tongue shouldn't be releasing venom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Look, by his conduct, he says, let him say, no, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. We need to examine our hearts in those areas. What are, here's a question. Told you it'd be a little uncomfortable in here, but remember the puppies. Maybe you're far away from that bone right now, right? <laughs> what are others saying about you? I don't mean like, you know, getting caught up. I mean, the reality of it is people aren't talking about you as much as you, you, as much as you think they are. But what's your reputation? How do people size you up? How, how would people determine what's most important in your life? What, would they, what conclusion would they come to? Would your conduct affirm your Christianity or bring into question your Christianity? Here's a question. Do I find it awkward, awkward when people find out I'm a Christian? Do I find it awkward when people find out I'm a Christian? Which would lead us to the question, then, then why? Again, no yokes of bondage. I'm not here to judge anyone. It's not for me to do. But I'm your pastor. As your pastor, it's my responsibility to remind you of the cross that we are called to pick up, of the life that we are to live. And every one of us are gonna mess up here and there along the way. It's not about, it's not about our perfection. It's about our direction. It's about pursuing spiritual maturity. Notice I didn't say attaining spiritual maturity. That happens when we cross the line into eternity, pursuing spiritual maturity. So how do I grow in this area? How, how, do, I, how do I control my tongue? How do I get my anger under control? How do I get those things dealt with in my life that are so inconsistent with my testimony? I mean, I know where you're here and you're listening online and you're tuning in and, and you're thinking, I, I want to grow in this area. And there's times where, where like, there's the want to do this, but then how do I do it? Well, number one, repent. Repent. Ask God to forgive you and to, to change your heart in this area, to soften your heart. 
Because a lot of times it's impossible to enact change when our heart is hardened. But repentance softens our heart and allows us to, 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 to literally enact change brought about by the Holy Spirit. Because you see this, that we're talking about, the things that come out of our mouth, and those aren't, those aren't intellectual issues. Those are heart issues. And it's there that the Holy Spirit is, is working on us. We should never get comfortable with our compromise. Don't ever, you ever find yourself saying, oh, it's just who I am. No, that's who you were. That's who you were. Secondly, guard your mind. Guard your mind. Getting, going back to our previous um, point of, of maturing in our consideration, we, we can't look at uh, this uh, verse 9, the call of our conduct in verse 9, without considering what we were just talked about, what we think about in verse 8. They're directly connected. What we think about will directly impact how we conduct ourselves in our lives around us. One of the greatest ways to deal with how we conduct ourselves is to really consider what we think about the most, what we let our minds deal with the most, what we watch the most, what we listen to the most, what we allow our, our lives to be influenced by the most. What we allow in that sacred space is going to affect our conduct to the world around us. James, uh, uh, James reminds us that when, when we're talking about this idea of sin, when does sin take place? Sin takes place first as a thought, Right? It starts as a thought, and then it, 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 and if it's unguarded, it eventually turns into an action. You've heard the line, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a lifestyle. Now, that could be good habits, good lifestyles, or bad. And so we need to consider the things that we're sowing in. Number three, find someone to grow with. Find someone to grow with. The wise Solomon reminded us in Ecclesiastes chapter four, he says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. He says, man, if, if one falls down, the other one's there to pick them back up. Woe to that person who doesn't have someone to pick them up. And so he reminds us of the value of one another. Find somebody to grow with. I mentioned last week that as Christians, we owe it to one another to grow in our maturity so that we may be more effective for God and his kingdom. We owe it to grow it. That's our slogan for the day. Somebody asked me this morning, are you going to put that on a bracelet? <laughs> Maybe. Right? We owe it to grow it. We owe it to grow more and more in our walk with one another. As we're growing together, our love for one, other, uh, one another grows as well as our community of faith grows and when we're, when we're maturing, as God's designed for us to mature, it impacts the way we are concerned for other people. It causes us to look beyond ourselves and to have genuine concern for other people, which is our last point for this morning. We see this in verse 10. Philippians chapter four and verse 10, Paul says, I rejoiced, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You indeed were concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. I love that. He's recognizing to them, they were concerned that this was an opportunity to meet the needs, but the heart was there. 
As we read later on in Paul's letter, we'll catch on this next week, he will acknowledge the many ways in which their concern for him manifested in, in support and in prayer, in finance, in ministry, in relationship. He'll highlight all these different ways in which their concern for him was made manifest. But I want to kind of just zoom in a little bit here, specifically on that very idea of their genuine concern for him. The pursuit of spiritual maturity in our concern. The Philippians' concern for Paul is what motivated their support for Paul. Mature concern can seeks, seeks to meet the need. Immature concern just worries about the need. Concern for a person is more concerned about who they are and not how, they could benefit, how I can benefit from them. The church at Philippi loved Paul more than they loved the ministry of Paul. They had genuine concern for him. So in the section here, as we talk about, I don't want to, let's not focus on the means of support, but the motive of their support was genuine concern for Paul. And as we assess our maturity in this area, we, we would do well to ask ourselves some questions about how are we concerned about other people? Is my concern for those around me contingent on what they do for me or who they are to me? That's not the kind of thing you'd offer out there in public, right? But bring it to the Holy Spirit and ask, what drives me in this area? Here's one. Do I allow myself to get close enough to people to feel their pain? You know, it's easy. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. Sometimes it's easier for us, more comfortable for us to not know the pain people are, going, are, are, are in. But we're called to walk in each other's pain. Here's a good question. When was the last time my concern for somebody caused me to help them sacrificially Sacrificially, not just out of convenience, not just out of overflow of what I had left. When was the last time my concern for somebody caused me to act sacrificially? Here's a question to consider. Am I afraid of getting too close to people because I don't think that I can meet their need? That's a real one. Do I not engage with people because I know I'm convinced I can't possibly meet that need? Can I just tell you that the, the supply comes from God, not from you? And so if you'll just be a willing resource for God to use, God will use you to meet the need for other people. How do I grow in this area? Well, some obvious ones, and we'll wrap it up with this. Number one, spend time with people. And as you're spending time with them, listen for how you might serve them. Just listen to people. Too many times when people are talking, people are more concerned about what they're going to say than they are listening to the person speaking to them. Right? You're just waiting for them to breathe so you can say something. Listen and see how can I serve this person. Ask God to enlarge your heart to allow more people to, to genuinely love, into your life to genuinely love. 
Ask God to enlarge your heart to love more people. God loves people. He's in the people business. And we as his followers likewise need to love others. Here, go outside your comfort zone and help other people. Go outside your comfort zone to help others. You know what changes inside your comfort zone? Nothing. That's why we like it. It's predictable. It's safe. But you know what? We don't grow in our comfort zone. Growth happens outside our comfort zone. In our comfort zone, we really don't need anybody. And sometimes we don't even need God. But it's outside our comfort zone that we become very aware of our need for one another, our need for God, because it's in that area that we realize how dependent we are on God. Be willing to move outside your comfort zone. And then lastly, this one. Recognize that you may be the answer to somebody else's prayer. Recognize that you may be the answer to somebody else's prayer. What a, what a tremendous blessing it is to be able to put yourself out there for someone and then look and say, I had prayed and God used you to meet this need in my life. What a blessing that is. Recognize that you may be the answer to, to someone's prayer. The pursuit of spiritual maturity in our consideration deals with the things that we think about. In our conduct, it deals with the way in which we conduct ourselves with other people. And then our concern has to do with the way in which we love one another. And every one of these things that we talked about, we all have this opportunity to grow in. There's not a person in this room, especially the one talking to you, that has nailed this. But I don't walk in guilt. I don't walk in shame. I don't walk in condemnation. Right? If you're feeling this and hearing this and you're feeling judged, if you're feeling guilty, if you're feeling condemned, that's not from God. God never operates in the area of guilt and shame and condemnation. That's how the enemy takes these things. What we need to recognize is these are areas that we can become more like Jesus. And see, you're here today and you're listening today because I know you want to be more like Jesus but we don't have the tools and the resources in and of ourselves. And so we come alongside and we ask the Holy Spirit, make us aware of where I'm at and help me to become more like Jesus. And it's an invitation to a journey of blessing. And so let's grow together. Let's lean on Christ together. Let's lean on one another together. And let's pursue spiritual maturity together for the glory of God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word comforts those who are, distur- who are disturbed and disturbs those who are comfortable. Lord, may, that, may your word um, challenge our hearts and just remind us that we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would take these truths, help, them to, help us to apply them, in our lives and then help us to live them out in a way that makes you proud. Lord, we thank you for uh, this time. We thank you for your presence in this place. In Christ's name we pray.